You're listening to 1001 Album Club, where each episode we discuss a different album from Robert Demery's book, 1001 Albums You Must Hear Before You Die. You ready? Yeah, let's go. Okay. All right, for this episode, we'll be talking about Mike Oldfield, Tubular Bells. In the room, I have Rob. Hello. Ben. Sup. Solange. Hi. And John. Cowabunga. Tubular Bells is the debut studio album by the English multi-instrumentalist, composer, and songwriter Mike Oldfield, released on the 25th of May, 1973, as the first album on Virgin Records. The producer was Tom Newman, Simon Hayworth, and Mike Oldfield, and the genre is progressive rock. And I'm going to read from All Music Review, Mike Degani. Mike Oldfield's groundbreaking album, Tubular Bells, is arguably the finest conglomeration of off-centered instruments concerted together to form a single unique piece. A variety of instruments are combined to create an excitable multitude of rhythms, tones, pitches, and harmonies that all fuse neatly into each other, resulting in an astounding plethora of music. Oldfield plays all the instruments himself, including such oddities as the Farfisa organ, the Lowry organ, and the Flagolette. The familiar, eerie opening made famous by its use in The Exorcist starts the album off slowly, as each instrument acoustically wriggles its way into the current noise that is heard, until there is a grand unison of eclectic sounds that wildly excites the ears. Throughout the album, the tempos range from soft to intense, utterly surprising making for some exciting musical culminations all right what do we think of tubular bells by mike oldfield i think the last phrase you said some exciting uh, (laughs) musical whatever this man some exciting this is as uneven a 70 minute piece as i've ever heard (laughs) i I appreciate it yeah like i don't think there's anything that's like it's not Unpolished, and it doesn't feel like loose, but there's a lot that kind of just goes nowhere for a while. But then when it finds where it's going, you're like, oh, this is great. But then it loses it again. Oh, yeah. And then you're like, (laughs) I can't wait till he gets it back. (laughs) I'll say this for an entire album of two long instrumental compositions. At no point am I reaching for like the the fast forward button or the skip. It keeps me interested the whole time. And the parts of it, there's enough things. That he squeezes in, like each little each little movement uh, within the piece only lasts a minute or two. So if there's one I'm not too jazzed on, like a Ramon song, yeah, it's a lot of variety. You, you just hang out, and another one's coming. Yeah, I'm gonna disagree with that as a huge Mike Oldfield fan because uh, <laughs> the thing I'm gonna say about Two Blue Bells is it 
is good for what Mike Oldfield would eventually become because there's so much of like what I can hear in his what will become his 80s music where it's like okay great guitar work but if you want like better guitar work you should listen to Crises or Discovery. If you want multi-instrumentalism, you should listen to QE2 or Five Miles Out. Um, this is like the boring Mike Oldfield. This is like, clearly, I am a child Mike Oldfield. And then in the 80s, he's like, I am the man Oldfield. <laughs> he almost, he's like literally a child. Right? He's, he's literally like, 19 years he's old. 19. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, he was very young. Yeah, very Branson young. signed him, right? Yeah. Yeah, it, yeah this is the... the First, uh, the first Virgin Records release. Yeah. So, so two children shook yeah. hands. <laughs> they spit in, they spit in their hands, and then they shook, and that was how right. it was done. Two, two children in a mansion with a lot of money, and one week's time said, "Here you go, son. Play over twenty instruments all by yourself." Mm. Yeah, I think this is a call it radical bells. <laughs> this is like a. I, I, I bet everyone's gone to a concert that they've seen somebody do like a loops loop effects yeah. and, and then they, they someone building upon they play the guitar they like play a different Ed Shireen show yeah <laughs> <laughs> but they're but they're constantly like mixing parts within each part and it's I think it's pretty brilliant for him to to do this I mean there's 274 overdubs like thousands of 2,000 punch-ins like this is crazy stuff and yet again you should live you like that <laughs> let me tell you about this other Michael Field album like I mean that I, w I was listening to this re again and I was just like when are you gonna go off, Mike? Like, when are you gonna do it? Like, I'm not, and I don't want to come at this by saying like Mike Oldfield is not talented. I'm just saying like, if you're gonna talk about an album of Mike Oldfield's that you should listen to before you die, like this isn't it. Well, I'm sorry. We may get to others. I doubt that. But this is <laughs> as, as, he did chart on other on other albums. Like, much like folks in 1973, this is my introduction to Mike Oldfield. I I I never heard. I've seen The Exorcist. Other than that, I'd never heard Mike Oldfield music. Consider me a noob. Yeah. yeah. No, we're, we're not no, going to get to No, consider me the mansplaining nerd. Like, <laughs> he makes his space rock later, and it's cool, I swear. No, we're, we're not going to get it, rock. but I feel like this book, what it, what it does a lot is it says, like, here's the introduction mm. album that, like, blew everything up. Like, this got them into the conversation, got them into popular culture. So I think that's probably, and probably with The Exorcist, just kind of that legacy yeah. of, of being like, it was the first, and it kind of, like, provided something in that space. But I find that interesting, because, like, I don't think any, I, like, uh, Ben was saying, it's like, I, this is my first, like, four-way into Mike Oldfield, and I feel like, like everybody says that, because they just didn't, like, Mike Oldfield charted, he, ha he had a lot of songs that were really famous, like, if you ever heard Family Man by Hall & Oates, that's a Mike Oldfield song that they covered. Really? Yes, that's Ooh. a cover of a Mike Oldfield song. And uh, Ooh, he, yeah. Yeah, yeah, he covered it. He covered an ABBA song on Huey Two, and he charted one of his uh, biggest charting songs was Moonlight Shadow, which sounds nothing like this. It is a like '80s like guitar like bam rock song, but like kind of like weird. The lyrics are weird. Like yeah, there's lyrics in later like Mike Oldfield songs. Would you say that the later Mike Oldfield though has the sort of introduction like the inventiveness of that this one initially had at the time absolutely because really? oh. there's there, there's music that is like mike oldfield's music but i've never heard something that would be like how there's bands that sound exactly alike like Kraftwerk and yellow Mag magic orchestra are like super similar in a lot of ways but like dead can dance is similar to mike oldfield but not like it's it's folksy and world musicy in that they use a lot of really interesting 
instruments like like a hammered Chinese dulcimer and Mike Oldfield uses like Ulilian pipes. Like they're not the same thing, but it is like the closest approximation. Are those the same thing as tubular bells? No, I'm sorry. Okay. <laughs> but uh but Mike does use the tubular bells later. Tubular bells three in nineteen ninety eight. Lots of lots of whacking on the bells. He plays these bells with a claw hammer. I Googled tubular bells. They look like what I have always called chimes. Yeah, they're yeah. definitely yeah. chimes. It's just, it's, just a, it's just a big It's a wind chime. Yeah. Man, tubular bells is a better name for them. <laughs> it's definitely like, sounds more proggy yeah. to say. I played chimes in like high school <laughs> band. I would have felt better had I been playing some fucking tubular bells. I had to play tubular bells in high school band because. Like the composition? No, the uh, the instrument, because that's what it called for. It just turned out it was the chimes. <laughs> just a bunch of... Solange, what was the first... What was your introduction to Mike Oldfield? Like, what was the first stuff you heard? So, actually, my mom is really into Mike Oldfield, too. Uh, yeah. I told her I was doing this, and she was like, I tell her this story about... And I'm like, Mom, we will get to that. Like, they, they, they calm down. But my mom was really into Mike Oldfield, because uh, she's a hippie from, like, the 70s and the 80s. And she... Uh, you know, I the first thing I can remember listening to of Mike Oldfield's was uh, his album QE2, which is uh, mostly instrumental. There is some singing. Uh, he later, in like starting like 1980 throughout the 80s uh, to maybe like the early 90s, he collaborated a lot with this woman named Maggie Riley, and uh, she's like a very talented Irish singer, and she's just like just really haunting voice, and she does a lot of the singing on QE2, which includes an ABBA cover. <laughs> um, which song? Arrival. Nice. Like, oh, nice. like the yeah. instrumental ethereal one, like he covered it. And I, I actually think I like Abba's better. But anyway, that was the first album I listened to of his. And I really, it just, I don't know, it really stuck with me. And I, because it's kind of like spacey, ethnic, like tavern music almost, but like very proggy and new age, like almost something you would maybe hear if you were like going to meditate or if like Lord of the Rings actually like took place in space. <laughs> Ooh, okay. I'm <laughs> I mean, I think it's that's really all I, I think want. It's cool. And he, but he has a shitload of guitar work. Like he's super talented, and like I said, his later albums, uh, like QE2 is my first one, but it's not like my favorite. Like my favorite is. I don't know, I want to front and say it's not Discovery, but Discovery has a really special place in my heart because that's his, like, 80s pop album, and it's, like, lots of really cool guitar work. There's still some, like, new-agey stuff on there, but it's very much like, uh, I don't know, like, right in there, and then the guy who sings on it is like, you sings like this! I'm a shadow... Well, Shadow on the Wall is a different singer, but he's like, I'm a crystal gazer! And it's... But it's Mike Oldfield. <laughs> but, like, this is... This album is kind of the... The... The starting point of new age music right yes. like this is this is it <laughs> super similar to Kitaro if you've ever listened to Kitaro he did the uh, soundtrack for like the Silk Road series on BBC it's very ethereal very um it's all instrumental and kind of I don't know it's it's sort of like Tangerine Dream but like better <laughs> shots well, fired other, other than the one. first like five minute piece of of Tubular Bells that is The Exorcist the rest of it it kind of has interesting moments, but nothing that really sticks with you. I mean, other than the vocal portion where uh, Vivian Stanshaw or whatever his name is comes in and says the words. Wait, of, that's not Mike Oldfield. No. Wait, wait. So, so you play twenty instruments, but you can't name you them can't yourself. Name them. No, he's <laughs> busy, playing, busy them. playing. Oh, the I don't instruments, know, right? I don't know if I have the vocal chops to to he's say like the Dick word Van guitar. Dyke. And fucking Mary Poppins. He's just, it's, it's one thing if you got like Christopher Lee in there, like, 
distorted guitar. Like, would like it, Rhapsody does, Would it make you, know? you feel better <laughs> if in a re-release it's John Cleese? That's tight. Well, yeah. That. Yeah, that so there you go. Nice. They, 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 in a re-release of Tubular Bells, whatever it was, like... Wait, it is? Yeah, it's John Cleese who, oh. does, who does the Vivian Stanshall part where it's like... Well, that's cool. And now, Reed and Pipe Organ. And now, Tubular Bells! Oh, please, 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 please tell me that... Right before Tubi of the Bells, he says, and now for something completely no, different. I, I don't know. I, I haven't heard the re-release. I've only heard uh, this. <laughs> because that's a missed opportunity. But yeah, know. no, the voice is uh, Vivian Stanshall, who's apparently part of a comedy rock band known as the Bonzo Dog Doodah Band. Oh, dude. I forget why. But one of the other albums we were covering, I went down, I was just clicking on links, and I went down a Wikipedia rabbit hole, and I also landed on the Bonzo Doodog Band. If you go down deep enough, you always end on the Bonzo Doodog <laughs> They're Band. They're really the root, I believe, of all British music. <laughs> <laughs> which, is, which is indicative of this album. It's like, it's kind of goofy, but like... Well, I don't know why it's goofy. What explain why? What, where's I'll, the goof? I'll tell you one yeah. thing. You know, Solange mentioned like the the good guitar work, which there is. Yet around the, we actually just heard it in our headphones a minute ago. Yeah. But around like the fourteen thirty mark, it just sounds like like a high schooler jamming on power chords in his bedroom. Or it's like that's actually what Discovery ends up kind of sounding like. Is that? But like, sorry again, better. Like the huh. like the better version of that. It's like you hear all of Mike Oldfield like what he's gonna become in this like two songs, like everything in his later repertoire, which is interesting, I think. Pop goes the weasel earlier, too. Yeah. I was like, on first listen, I was vibing with it. And then it got to that power chord jam. Mm -hmm. And it took me out of it. Just on first listen. Yeah, that in the the vocals at the end kind of takes me out of it. Although I don't don't appreciate it. I don't mind (laughs) it. I loved it. it, Yeah, at first I was like, why why are you doing this? And then I was like, actually, it is making you notice the instruments more, you know, instead of just doing it. By the seventh or eighth instrument. Tubular bells! (laughs) By the seventh or eighth minute, eighth instrument, you're aching for him to say tubular bells. (laughs) (laughs) It's really fucking When he finally says tubular bells. Oh, it's such a relief. It's such, right. a, it's such a nice payoff. You know, like, I've been here for 14 and a half minutes, and John Cleese finally said tubular bells. Glockenspiel. Yeah. I've got, like... Bass man, guitar. I, I, I have right now, like, I, I'm sitting on at least 30 song ideas that I feel is exactly what he did. He was like, all right, got all these ideas. I'm just going to... Gonna smush them right together. Just, just gonna yep. put put yep. put them right in there, and yep. and you know, for, for what it's worth, you know, he. Well, it's like this, yeah. 
right in there. Just Ron's gotta, hands are just uh, extra moist. Just gotta gotta yeah. Yeah, squish them together. Mine's like silent. My hands are stuck together. Mine's like. There's a Rob's making a song right now with his hands. Oh man, get my Goldfield in here. My Goldfield. So yeah, I don't. I don't dislike what's happening, but it it really like it, you you could. You could call this just sound collage, um, but very well. I mean, he, I mean, for, for a nineteen-year-old, I mean, I, I'm not going to fucking knock what what this, I would say what for any, did. for anyone. I mean, putting this many instruments, it's it's like proving. <laughs> yeah, we just got to the <laughs> grand piano. Grand piano. <laughs> it's proving to to I think other artists too that it's like you can have these ideas and have the sort of like what Eno and that like minimalist composers will do where they're adding layer upon layer. Upon. It's like creating that studio element where you can have this many tracks at the same time. Yeah, with, with, with enough in, money, you integrated. can do anything. <laughs> well, need some of that but sweet they're, Richard but they're Branson very, money. Yeah. You, you can say that, but they're limited by the technology that we have. But that does make an interesting point about this album. Did he produce this as well? Was he behind he, the board for it? Tom he, Newman and yeah. Simon Hayworth and also Mike Oldfield. Yeah. Okay. But had it not been by basically pure chance that whoever was doing the music for The Exorcist was like hearing this somewhere and was like, oh, this is great. I want to pick this up. Would this album have been significant? I, I honestly don't know because this is the first time we've heard like a solo prog artist, right? I mean – uh, you know, we've got a little bit of um, uh, of Glockenspiel happening. Brian exactly. Eno? No, it's not Brian. I mean, Brian Eno. He hasn't. Uh, he hasn't really released at this point. Record, yeah. Yeah. I don't. I don't know anything about music, y'all. Yeah, <laughs> I like my Goldfield. <laughs> you, got, you got a little bit of Rundgren, but Rundgren doesn't really go prog. I mean, all the other. Whoa, prog wow. people, oh, oh, I, I would disagree would. with that. I mean, a little. I said a little. I was just trying I to like. Would. You know, once you introduce up. Prague, we've you know, had, you're opening up a can of worms because it's just progressive. Right. We've right. we've had a lot of classical artists that we haven't discussed in the book that are doing the same element, but he's he's doing this in a different... Right, and doing it solo, right? Atmosphere. I mean... Yeah, more of a, a solo artist that would be layering. Right, exactly. Because yeah. you had other artists who solo and layer, like McCartney, poorly, mm -hmm. uh, and then others who did it well, but... This is the first time that it's been applied to like a prog setting, right? Yeah. And so Probably. it's interesting. It's great. But by being alone, even as much as he's doing with it, it's lacking what you would get from like, yes. You know, it's it's lacking. It's a different kind of prog. Exactly. Man. Yeah. Yeah. It, I, yeah. Every, I would say that Mike Oldfield's catalog in general is really different from a lot of like music that you could categorize it as. Because, it, you know, it's not even just prog rock. Like, he's categorized as a new age musician, which I was like, okay, well, if I like Mike Oldfield and that's new age, maybe I'd like Enya. No, mm. I don't like Enya. But you or, might. But I, but you, <laughs> so, someone who isn't me might. Or, like, he's world music. And I was like, but that's not really world music. Or, you know, it's a lot of, like, he's not really that. Like, a little bit, but not really, you know? I, I think that's what makes him he's kind of... He's not too deep in one pocket. Yeah, I think that's what makes him really unique in a lot of ways that... Um, and maybe if it, and maybe you're right. Maybe if it wasn't for the Exorcist, he wouldn't have blown up like he did in the way that he had. But again, I would argue like, did he? He blew up at like a little bit, but and I mean, he did do some important things. He did do the Olympic closing ceremony, and he was commissioned to write a song for when 
Di- I think Diana and Charles got married, but that might be too early. Um, he was commissioned to write a song for a royal wedding, though. Mm-hmm. So he was pretty famous for a little bit, but, I mean, who the fuck knows about Mike Oldfield now? It, it makes like, sense that, that, Exor- that whoever was the musical director for The Exorcist... William Freakin. Uh, thank oh, you. he made the music too. <laughs> well, musical director. Uh, oh no, no, cho- cho- chose the music or whatever. I was just talking know. about the director who oh, chose yeah. this. Yes, uh, yeah. I got. Re- I was uh, real impressed with William Friedkin for a second, but yeah. never mind, y'all. Because uh, you should still be impressed with it. He's <laughs> a very good director. Sorcerer's <laughs> a dope movie. Yeah. If like if Mike Oldfield stuff had never been used in a music, it, it seems like it would have been neglected. This stuff is very cinematic. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like we've heard scores. Like, like cinematic scores on this project so far. And although this is a different style of music than, say, Shaft or any of the other scores we've heard, it's cinematic. Like, this is the background music to something happening. Even though he wrote it on its own before a, 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 like a studio tapped him to use it. It's definitely stuff that's going to flavor, like, John Carpenter's production. Yeah, it's definitely yeah, going like to flavor, that- like... It just you sounds know. like the it, it sounds like the music happening behind something that's happening, mm-hmm. more so than other like new age stuff like Tangerine Dream mm-hmm. and and other stuff like the Oldfield. This is the only Oldfield I know as of this day. Or new age stuff that is used but totally like out of place, like uh, Lorena McKenna used in Soldier, which that's a weird reference to go by, but that does not fit <laughs> in that context. Like it's just not a, it's just a weird place to put a new age song. I'm not gonna lie, like in that particular movie. Oh, is no, nobody's a nobody's a Paul W S Anderson fan here. No one loves Event Horizon. I get it. I missed the reference. I'm sorry. Yeah. Soldier starring Kurt Russell. It's a Paul W.S. Anderson movie. He's oh, I, like re- a, I remember that movie. Yeah. Well, they used a Lorena McKenna and she's like a new age world. Another like one of these Michael feel like new age world. I don't know. She sounds funny. I know the movie, but I didn't remember the, a, the music. There's a weird like new agey song that they use. It's like really inappropriate. It's just like inappropriate. You know, that's how I would say like, I don't know. So sail do you away, feel like the cave? That was appropriate. It was the, very appropriate. Caveman section in part two appropriate? Yeah, let's talk about the caveman section. Wait, wait, are you talking about about the part where it sounds like someone strangling a Muppet? Yes. 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 Absolutely. <laughs> would you would anybody like to tell the story? Cookies. <laughs> Someone should tell the story because I'm not gonna lie, I got to the second part halfway through and I'm like, I'm gonna listen to some other Michael Field. <laughs> Is there a story <laughs> Is it this? behind Muppet Death? Yep. Tell them. Oh, I, I don't know the story. Engineer Simon Hayworth recalled that Richard Branson was getting impatient and pressuring <laughs> Oldfield to deliver the album and to include vocals on one of the tracks so that he could release it as a single. <laughs> angered by Branson's suggestion, Oldfield replied, You want lyrics? I'll give you lyrics. Back at the manor, he drank half a bottle of Jameson whiskey from the studio cellar and demanded that the engineer take him to the studio where, intoxicated, he screamed his brains out for ten minutes into a microphone, leaving him so hoarse that he couldn't speak for two weeks afterward. The engineer ran the tape... Two weeks? That's what it says. The engineer (laughs) ran... Two (laughs) weeks! The engineer ran the tape at a higher speed during the recording so that upon playback, the tape ran at normal speed, thus dropping the pitch of the voice track and producing the Piltdown Man vocals listed in on the credits. Man, Mike Oldfield's a weird guy, so this story totally He's a weird tracks. teenager. What a petulant 19-year-old. Yeah. <laughs> he, he's a weird guy. Good for I'm, him. I'm going to go into the manor's basement and I'm going to drink myself some Jameson. <laughs> I'll show you, Sir Richard Branson. <laughs> 
Just I'm ready for my solo now. <laughs> Shoot this into space, sir. Yeah, the yelling thing happens with him a lot. I told you the story about his like rebirthing, and I was like, oh yeah, I, mean, I don't remember if it's primal scream therapy or rebirthing. And then I was like, oh no, it is rebirthing because he apparently yelled a lot during the rebirthing too. You may need to clarify that to those who do not know the part of this where he. Oh, Mike Oldfield <laughs> went to an exegesis or exegesis. I don't even know. It's some weird like new agey intensive therapy that people did in the 70s and he and his siblings did it after their mom died because they were stressed out apparently and the way this therapy works is you confront like your mistakes in life or the the like most biggest issues you have in life like you could directly confront them and Mike Oldfield apparently had a rebirthing because his birth was really difficult and to him yeah, like he, I guess, had a difficult birth where he almost died, and that was like his problem in life. Like he was like, "This is my biggest problem. My birth sucked." So he like rebirthed himself in the, in this therapy and like did all this like it was. He, was he described it as very intense, and then after that, he like went a whole personality change and even like got his pilot's license, which uh, led to him making Five Miles Out, which is an album. Uh, it's an album inspired by a plane crash he was almost in like yeah i'm not making this stuff up michael feels a weird guy i'm sure you're not making it up i'm gonna go out on a limb and call bullshit on someone feeling that their birth was hard on them <laughs> but that's some scientology yeah. bullshit right there it's, the, it's, a, it's just, that's the same guy though who at 19 released this album so it's like that's oh yeah fair. okay that makes sense yeah let him. Yeah. And you know, it, it's only 2019. Maybe time will prove me wrong. But, but remembering your own birth. But remembering yeah, no. your own birth and it uh, affecting, like, the rest of your life. Yeah. No, no. That's that's some, some goofy stuff. But, you know, when you're going to get goofy, you get all the way goofy. I guess you, you, you have to start calling chimes something cooler and... Well, you know, that's the thing is I think if they had just been like, uh, Mike Oldfield, this is this is us introducing chimes, things would have gone totally different. <laughs> Do you think that Mike now, Oldfield, that Mike Oldfield chimes. Mike Oldfield's uh, 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 debut album Chimes would have performed as as well as uh, Tubular Bells? Yes. <laughs> I do. With the exorcist help, yes. cover, which was also confusing to me before I realized that tubular bells are just chimes. Uh, so I, I, You thought they looked like that? Well, yeah, why shouldn't I? It says tubular bells, and then it shows a picture. But they don't look like that. He makes no, it look no, much it's cooler. Just, so, uh, so, yeah, I, I was in band in, in high school, and I played the chimes. I was a percussionist. Yeah. <laughs> I just assumed it was like an artist it interpretation yeah. of... Right, but like I, modern I had never heard of an instrument referred to as tubular bells. 
because, because you're from the region, man. Down in Indianapolis, we knew about the tubular bells. We knew what they were. You didn't just call them chimes? We did call them chimes, but we also knew them by the other name, tubular bells. Perhaps your teacher just really liked this album. Your teacher may have been a, an old... A closeted <laughs> Mike Oldfield fan. Um, a young yeah. Oldfield fan. And Mike Youngfield and Mike fan. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Man, why closeted? Let that flag fly, man. There's nothing wrong with Mike Oldfield. The cover Oldfield. is cool, though. Like, yeah. It's very cool. It is cool. It is cool. It's like a, a, like a, what, a it's wave? It's very iconic. I, I've seen it so many times flipping through bins. It's, it's a photograph of a well, wave, right? Because like this a... sold very well. It did uh, 2.7 million in the UK and estimated 15 million worldwide. So I saw crazy. at least how five much... of them at the Peddler's Mall this weekend. How well do you think it would have done had it not been associated with the box office smash The Exorcist? No. Do you think that no, the, not the, at all. the first <laughs> New Age record would have performed as well? It wouldn't have even been called that. It would have just died on the vine. I don't know if it Virgin died. wouldn't have no. done nothing. Virgin no, presents it, Mike Oldfield's chimes. I think it would sold, would have sold at this time too. This is pretty inventive. I mean, the nineteen year old. Well, yeah. I mean, but there have been other young artists who put out weird stuff records going on. At I think this you're time. miss. I think you're like underestimating yeah. the power of hippies. Yeah, like, hippies loved this. Well, hippies love a lot of shit, and there's a lot of hippie shit to buy. Mm. Why this? Just had think, they not heard it? Because you can get high to just it. Think it yeah, you can think get of, high to a lot of shit. But this is like, you, it's one side, yeah. and it's 25 minutes mm. long, and you can get high, and then it's like, I'll tell you what, I, I listened it. to Todd Rungan, a wizard, a true star this week, and you can get high to a lot of shit. No, you sure can. but <laughs> just to reiterate what we've been reviewing, yes, mm-hmm. Genesis, and in like a couple weeks or whatever, Pink Floyd. Yeah. I mean, this is right, but, right but, there. Yeah, but oh, so Pink Floyd's already established. So is Genesis, and they're they're songs, a different Pink Floyd. A different Pink Floyd. Is this the first post Sid? Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay, but still name recognition. I'm saying like Michael, nineteen year old Mike Oldfield, out of the gate, the first release on a baby record label. Like th- this record, I've he- I, I, this is the first week I've heard it, but I've seen it everywhere my whole life. Yeah. I've heard that I've heard Mike Oldfield tubular bells my whole life. I'm wondering how much of that recognition, how much of that massive copies printed, had to do with the association with all of it, international oh, blockbuster, the Exorcist, all of it, tons of it. I don't know. I can't I'm not say saying all. that he wouldn't have blown up later. Yeah. I'm just saying like debut album by a teenager, first release for 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 a record label, for it to be this big, this iconic. Need it with with like no lyrics, no hooks. It's, Something else needs to be working for it to get that kind of publicity. Yeah, I would say that. It, yeah, it, it blew up quite a bit because yeah. of the movie. I was gonna ask you, I don't know if it you helped. have this. Like, was this the highest charting album he had? Because I know he had other hits, but I thought that his yeah. other hits were higher charting than this one. I believe it is the top ten. Uh, stayed in the top ten in the UK for one year, nineteen seventy four during which it reached number one for one week, mm. and it peaked at number three in the U.S., Billboard 200. Okay. Yeah, that tracks, because yeah. the, the hit I thought was it bigger also, was, like, number seven here. It also won the 1974 Grammy Award for Best uh, Instrumental Composition. I could see that. That's yeah. a good category for it. Yeah. Was it the only album? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> it's always a Jethro told best of. I, <laughs> I could Probably see too, uh, the I could see somebody saying, "Oh, what's up with this new label?" 
sometimes you know a label comes out and if it if they wait. have a little bit of publicity what wait what was the grammy it won instrumental instrumental composition for 1973 four, four. because it, it's released in 1973 so it's 1974 so it would be up against uh headhunters mm-hmm. specifically chameleon I guess you could say that. Interesting. Although that might have been, been in jazz. the jazz category. Uh, but it's instrumental. Like, how specific yeah. are they getting on instrumental? I'm not from the Grammy <laughs> Awards. So oh, I you're not from the Grammys now? No, really. Okay. Oh, fine. All right. Fine. It comes out. <laughs> I see how it is. Uh, do you got have anything else before we go around? Uh, the first side, the Exorcist track, is in 15.8. According to Mike Oldfield himself. 15-8? 15-8 is, okay. is the count for that. Cool. Okay. Yeah. 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 I never know whether to count something as like a group of seven and a group of eight. Well, or, you should or count it. one group of 15. You should, you should count it as it, it it feels good for you to count. Well, and that's how I was. Yeah. I was like, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Yeah. Because it's like, it's like two phrases, mm. one slightly shorter than uh-huh. the other, that I guess make one measure. Yeah, it's fifteen eight. Sure, you just did it. <laughs> well, you know the, the way I counted, I counted it as two separate measures. How do you count a measure of seven? One two three four five six seven. You didn't go one two one two one two three one two one two one two three. Well, for this one, I just counted to seven. Okay. There, there, right. there, there was a musical phrase that was seven beats long, and then there was a very similar musical phrase that was eight beats long that was the counterpart of the you're first You're allowed phrase. to count anything as you're able to play it, or it's easy to think. It's good so to know that Oldfield considers it, considers it 15 Yeah, 19-year-old Oldfield. <laughs> so, whatever. Listen to him or he'll scream for ten minutes. <laughs> That's right. He'll get Jameson drunk and yell. He'll have members of Monty Python tell you what instruments he's about it's to play. It's just easier to do what he wants. Listen, you guys, he had a difficult birth. I think he <laughs> <laughs> All right, Rob, how do you feel about this? Um, it, yeah, it, it, it's a positive. It, they, it's very good and long-winded in certain <laughs> sections. But then it changes into other things that are cool. I don't know, it's... It's musical collage, and if you're into that, it's it's pretty damn good. Yeah. Somehow it kept my interest the entire time. I don't know how, but yeah. it's two 20-plus minute compositions of instrumental music, and at no point was I was I reaching to fast forward or, 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 or skip it. So I'm giving it a positive. Cool. Yeah, I, I did look at my phone and be like, oh, how yeah, far oh, into no. this is this? I think it was like a morbid curiosity. Am I on the second side yet? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think so. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I made it pretty clear. This is like not... My, no, like I don't... Uh, are you holding this up to other Mike Oldfield records? Yes, should, I am. You shouldn't do that. Okay, uh, if I had never listened to like another Mike Oldfield record ever, yeah, I'd, I'd probably be like really into this. Yeah. Wait. Yeah, this is I'm pretty the sure this section. is like a motif he uses. Not the like, oh, like the, the, sorry. Someone help that Muppet. <laughs> yeah, He's dying. Never, Tom, help Tom Waits. <laughs> if I'd never heard another Mike Oldfield album before this, I'd, I'd probably be like really into this. Uh, but listen, you know, you should listen to Five Miles Out. Like that's a good. Five Mike, Miles Out. It's a good 
like you want some 25 minute Mike Oldfield wailing on something, you should listen to Five Miles Out. And I'm pretty sure Phil Collins did the drums on it. So cool. that helps if you're like, oh, I don't want to listen to this nerd's music. Like a, an actual nerd helped him. So is this not worth listening to? Or is it like? I think. I think. Okay. Would you recommend this to someone? Positive. No, neutral I wouldn't. Or negative? I wouldn't recommend this to someone if they were asking me my Mike Oldfield opinions. But if like I, if I like, if they asked me if I liked this album point blank without considering any uh, other things, I would say it kind of depends on like what you're into because okay. it's it is trying. It is so, very trying. A stranger in a record store is holding up a copy of Tubular Bells, and they're like, "So long, should I buy this?" There's, like, no, no. there's no other Mike Oldfield in the in the record store either. <laughs> yeah, like Mike, uh, no Mike Oldfield ever existed ever. Um, I don't know if it wasn't in the record store. I'd be like, you should go online and get. <laughs> you should get five miles out. <laughs> you should, if you want to start some Mike Oldfield, you should get five miles out. Okay. But right. I mean, I don't know. Sure, but <laughs> I, it's very hard for me to divorce myself from my opinions. Okay? I see. No, okay. it's, that's fair. Yeah. Uh, I'm gonna give it a positive. Yeah. Uh, it, it's. It's very, very long, and it gets in places where you don't know why it's there, but then it takes you to a place where you're like, oh, this is cool. Uh, And, I don't know, for a kid who was raised on, like, Monty Python and other goofy British shit, like, as soon as I start to get bogged down in some of the, like thought-provoking musical pieces, he comes out with a caveman voice, and I'm like, yep, I've got it. We're good. Let's do this. So, yeah, I'm going to give it a positive. And he finishes it off with Sailor's Hornpipe. Yeah, can we talk about the sea shanty that closes out this this whole endeavor? It's fucking great. What's up with that? Some typical. Does that melody have a name? Sailor's Hornpipe. Is that what it's called? Yeah, dude. It's like the Popeye song, kind of. Yeah, yeah. I mean, other than it's not, it is it's the not Popeye, Popeye song. Yeah, it's it's not the I'm Popeye no. the Sailor Man. It's the song that you hear when you watch Popeye, where he's doing yeah. a sailor dance. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I didn't know it had a name. Yeah, it's called Sailor's Hornpipe. I just thought it was you know the, sa- the Sailor Boogie. Well, apparently, nineteen uh, year old uh, Mike Oldfield, being Mike Mike Oldfield, at one point in time, maybe on the other half of the bottle of Jameson, <laughs> just decided to take a tour around the manor. Uh, while playing that song and just walking from room to room where there were mics, uh, but that wait recording... wait that whole manor was wired. Yeah, what they wired up like different random sound. rooms where he's just wandering so he around. Just like... walk, he can just roll his set of chimes around. <laughs> well, I think that was. Gotta go to the bathroom. Bing bing bing. Well, I think this was a Jameson experiment. I think they they tried it and and it didn't sound good enough, so they just did a regular sailor's hornpipe where it's just him. So they're like, this idea is great. Uh, it didn't sound good, but you do it again just by yourself. So the 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 <laughs> idea that Mike Oldfield had of him playing the Popeye theme, yes, uh, Branson or whoever Tom Newman Simon Hayworth was like, I love it, but the mics didn't pick it up. Exactly. Yep, we got to record it again. Okay. Oh sure. Yep. Exactly. Right, Take it back right. to that, the studio. That answers my question. Yep. Everyone was on board. Everybody loved it. All right. Can I tell you a sad for me Mike Oldfield story that my mom insisted I tell? Yes. Uh, so when I moved here from Northern California, I'm originally from like the San Francisco area. Uh, when I moved here, like the day before we were supposed to like get in the car and like leave forever, my mom was like reading the paper and saw an ad for Mike Oldfield's like newest tour and that the tour was coming to like either the Marin Center or the Cow Palace. It was like a, a big stadium. I don't remember which one it was. 
Uh, and they were coming there the day after we were like fucking leaving forever. <laughs> and I like was like so crushed. I was just like, we, there's no, we could like just leave the next. We could just leave the next day. Like we don't. We, no, we, we, get, we don't have to leave tomorrow. We could just leave the next day. And my dad was like, no, we have to go. It was. I was incredibly devastated. So well, I'm yeah. sorry to hear that. You all should be very sad for me. I am. Constant. Birch, when you <laughs> 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 me too. <laughs> Uh, total positive for me. This is, like, right up my alley for a lot of the stuff that we'll be getting into with, like, Eno and the sort of, like, drawn-out weird compositions and post-rock stuff. I'm into it. Anything that sounds, like, epic and has, like, layered parts and sort of, like, inventive, let's stick this in with this or do, like, repeated melodies over and over and just kind of twist them and make them something new, I'm, I'm usually into have so, I yeah. got the album for you? No, <laughs> <laughs> All right, next time we'll be talking about Todd Rundgren, a wizard, a true star. Ooh. All right, thanks, y'all. Thanks. Nice.